0: Good morning, afternoon, or evening, and welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Network. The following show is just horrifying. Beware. back to horror queers we're talking mayo sandwiches we're talking side ponytails
1: and we're talking some truly shitty water polo and i'm joe and i'm trace and we're talking mirror mirror on the wall who is the lydia deetsiest of them all Oh, I really just stop laughing at my own joke when I do that. I hate when people do that on podcasts, but <laughs> I was I really think proud. You're fine. Of that. I think
0: people like it <laughs> now. That that reference, not so much, unfortunately.
1: Oh man, it is it is egregious, and they had to know what they were doing. But um, I'm sorry, getting ahead of myself. Everyone, we are discussing Marina Sargentis. I'm gonna say Sargenti, maybe Sargenti, but uh, Maria Sargentis' 1990 film, Mirror Mirror, which man, it, it's a movie. It is a movie. Yes, it's a
0: to video movie. It is a almost entirely female crew and also mostly female actors. Mm-hmm. It's um I don't know. Like I I kind of liked a lot of this and there's a couple of things I don't care
1: for, but overall this was a pleasant surprise. So for both of us this is a first time watch, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. So yes, as listeners know, you know, we kind of go back and forth sometimes when we're watching movies um, and we're like, oh, my God, like, I'm watching this and blah, blah, blah. And I was messaging you, like, I was like, I'm 40 minutes in and I'm really, really liking this. And, mm-hmm. and then I saw your three star rating. <laughs> yes. No, it, So it's a movie where I was I was really into the first half and the last half started to lose me. And then the ending which I don't hate, it just, like, it kind of lost me a bit. So I was like, "Ah, oh, like, I don't know if it's a budgetary thing. I'm actually, I'm sorry. It's a combination of budgetary issues and screenwriting issues because I do think <laughs> that this movie loses sight of what it should be doing. <laughs> so, yeah, it is a three-star film, but it's still one that I would heartily recommend because I think there's a lot to like about this movie. Indeed, yeah. And I kind of like that it's so
0: bold in its homages that it's almost wearing them on its sleeve, or in the case of Megan's character, on her head and in her makeup and in her hair. But yeah, I I don't mind at all that this is basically Beetlejuice meets Heathers meets
1: Carrie meets Meets The Craft. craft. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I kind of like it for all those reasons. Well, this came out before The Craft. So I mean, like, we can, you know, eschew that comparison. But again, like, I see what you're saying and I thought the exact. I think the Carrie comparison is the most apt um just in terms of what is happening in this film. I don't think it necessarily pulls off our character switch because mm. I mean we'll get into it in the plot, but it basically like says, "Oh, um it's the demon controlling her." It's at a certain point. I don't really know what that point is to be honest. <laughs> I almost feel like
0: she gives in to the demon, and as a result, then the demon can just act on her behalf. But yeah, I, I wish that there was a stronger moment where we saw Megan... I don't know, like, she never really admits what she's doing is wrong, so it just kind of seems like, oh, she's decided to become homicidal.
1: I think the point where she fucks the mirror is meant to be the turning point.
0: Oh, sure. No, that much is clear. (laughs) There's definitely mirror fucking and licking in this movie, and it's great
1: for it. I think it's one of the standout scenes. Oh, no. It it is, you know, because, like, so many things have been copied and whatnot, especially in horror films, like, you know, but... It's rare for me to see a film that is, I mean, let's say 1990 and before, that makes me go, oh, oh shit, Mm -hmm. like, I've never seen anything like that before. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that one did that. This scene did that. I do think that they had to get a little
0: enterprising with the way that some of this comes about. And I think as a result of some of those maybe financial
1: limitations that force them into some creative boxes, like mirror fucking. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hey, sometimes that's when the best stuff comes out. And in in this particular scene, that is what happened. Oh, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Joe, I mean, I'm a little light on production today because there is shockingly little information to find about this movie. So yeah, you are correct. So this is a feature directorial debut for music video and commercial director Marina Sargenti. and the cast and crew is 60% female. So it's like it's it's majority female, not entirely, but we're 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 getting there. And honestly, I think um that that's the one of the few factoids that you can find about this film. You know, mm-hmm. good for it. Dude, this is 1990. No, I know. Like This I know. is a huge achievement. It's actually <laughs> it one of
0: the reasons that we decided to program this because it's been a while since we've had a female director that we've covered. But also, I-, I just think this film is really notable for making those kinds of strides because we see people championing their films now as like oh my god this is mostly female directed and people are falling yep. over themselves
1: to praise it as we should be but to me this means that sargenti was a trailblazer in that way. No, I one hundred percent agree with you, and it's not just her because it's also the writing team. So there's four writers, but the two main writers because so we've got Annette Cascone and Gina Cascone. It might be Casconi again. That might be an Italian thing that I don't really know how to pronounce. And then we have uh, Sargenti as a co-writer as well and then yuri zeltzer but the casconis uh so they are a they're a sister duo and Mm -hmm. they're really only known for film for this they did write two of the three sequels this movie has oh my gosh They wrote Mirror Mirror 2 Raven Dance and Mirror Mirror 4 Reflections. Apparently Mirror Mirror 3 uh, The Voyeur is so bad that I guess they came back for the fourth one to be like, we'll write this wrong. (laughs) (laughs) We will polish this script up because you have tarnished the brand. Pretty much. Um, Which, I mean, I had never honestly heard of this movie until you programmed it. So I was like, all right, well, here we go. Mm -hmm. Uh, well you know what that's kind of a lie. i did hear whenever oculus came out i heard a lot of um rumblings from people that obviously knew this movie from their like video store days that were like um that's just ripping off mirror mirror and i was like well i mean there's a killer mirror also horror
0: movie x like I can definitely see the comparisons, but at the same time, horror movies lift pretty liberally from each other on the regular.
1: Because how many horror movies The Killer Mirror are there? Not many, but that's really where the comparisons stop for me. (laughs) Like, none of this is really the same, but I digress. (laughs) So yeah, the Casconis though they're the authors of a book series called Dead Time Stories. It's middle school grade horror books originally published under the name A. C. Casconi. They have also written several episodes of the Nickelodeon TV series that is based on those books, and that's like in the last ten years. Oh really? Okay, good to see that they're still working. Yeah, I mean like they move from something like this. So their '90s were spent doing this because I think all four of those of the Mirror Mirror right. films did come out before 2000 okay writing the books in the aughts and then doing the show in the 2010s well that's really encouraging because unfortunately a lot
0: of people associated with this film this is one of their final credits like sargenti directed an episode of xena warrior princess Mm -hmm. and then star rainbow harvest this is basically one of her
1: last credits. she retired i think in 1991 yeah she did like two tv movies after this and then quit but um p.s what a name Oh my god, the name
0: is goddamn <laughs> delightful, and she is goddamn delightful. I think she's a great actress, and I was really disappointed when I saw that she's not acting anymore.
1: No, I, I 100% agree. And uh, uh, to, to turn it back around to the film, like I was disappointed when the, the third act doesn't really give her a lot to do. Like, she's the protagonist of this film up until a certain point when mm-hmm. it switches. And Nikki, yes. um, Kristen Detillo's Nikki, um, who's basically our Sue Snell stand-in in this movie— then becomes the main character. And that's kind of when it loses me, but...
0: A little bit. And not because of Nikki, because I also think that Nikki is kind of a great character. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's why it's giving me the craft kind of vibes, because it feels like this film doesn't quite know how to play off the animosity between women in a meaningful way.
1: I agree. And yeah, I I should say yes. I don't mind that Nikki becomes the main character. I mind that it's at the expense of Megan. Like, why can't we have them both be... Equal protagonists at the end of this movie. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. the film just forgets Megan exists. A little bit, yeah. Uh, there's, you know, some fun astral
0: projection stuff that we'll get to, but for the most yeah. part, it really is the Nikki show.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um. So yeah, this film. First of all, it was a can premiere. <laughs> oh. It premiered May 11th, 1990 at Cannes, before getting released theatrically in the United States on August 31st of that year, opening first in Detroit, before also screening at the Chicago International Film Festival in October of that year. Now, I was really confused, because I could not find any box office information. I have no idea how much money it made. I don't know what the budget for this movie was. hmm Here's the thing. It was one of a flood of lower-budget titles released during the home video boom of the 90s. Yeah. They would be given very limited theatrical runs merely as a formality to perhaps secure, let's say, a slightly better shelf space or a late night cable syndication deal.
0: Hmm. It's weird. It's almost like the Netflix model of, oh, we're going to debut our most prestigious films in theaters in a couple
1: of cities, but for the most part, you're streaming at home. That, that kind of is what it is. And there was a big draw on this VHS art box. It was a lenticular case. So the mirror part of the cover was actually like a mirror. Oh, <gasps> fuck yes. Oh my God, I love that. Well, that's, and that was kind of what was so, I mean, again, this is something that is, it's a, it's a lost art because you can peruse any streaming service and there aren't like these covers. Honestly, the closest thing I've gotten to recapturing like video store of the 90s magic mm-hmm. is Tubi. Only because they have Uh, all of these shitty-ass horror movies that I remember seeing on, like, sci-fi or on those blockbuster shelves as a kid because it was all these, like, fucking low-budget direct-to-video movies. Indeed. And we should... Make it clear,
0: we're not shitting on these movies as like necessarily being bad, although I'm sure some of them are. It's more the fact that there's a a level of quality and taste that you would have seen in a video rental store that we're just not really
1: seeing anymore. So it's like Tubi is the one that kind of gathers them up. 100%. We discussed Tubi, I mean, we discussed. there was a period where we discussed Tubi a lot, and mm-hmm. I, I remember saying, I was like, it's just like, it was a nostalgia factory, because there were so many oh, yeah. things on here that I remember seeing the covers for as a kid that I never got to watch, because I was too young to watch them, Right, and it makes me want to go back and watch them. One of the covers that always stood out to me was this random horror movie called Bleeders, and it has these, like, oh god... <laughs> humanoid, disgusting alien monster on the cover. Mm. And it always scared the crap out of me as a kid, and I swear to fuck, I saw it on Tubi, and I was like, I've never seen that, and I'm sure it's absolute horseshit, but I really want to watch it. (laughs) Well, right, and where else are you going to
0: see it? And I I like the fact that you brought it back to movie covers, because there is something so evocative and nostalgic about this. Like, uh, we both participated in Adrian Torres's project last year Yes, to be or not to be. Thank you. I was like, I know it was a pun. It was a pun. (laughs) (laughs) But we all selected a film that we wanted to highlight that was available on the service to bring a little bit more attention to it because, you know, to be is one of those things where it's like, It's free and you just have to watch the occasional ad. But -hmm. they've also got movies on there that you don't find anywhere else. And that was where I had the opportunity to watch The Uninvited, which is the cat within a cat movie that I've always wanted to see. But Mm -hmm. like, I don't have $30 for an Arrow or a Vinegar
1: Syndrome Blu-ray. Oh, they have Toby Hooper's Crocodile, which is not a good movie, but something that I watched on Sci-Fi. I want to say at least once a month in the year 2000. Oh, my God. I love that for you. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, yeah, it's it's, a, it's really a lost art. Like, did, did you have those moments as a kid when you would go peruse the video? Because I know that your horror upbringing came later, but that doesn't mean that you couldn't walk the horror aisle, which is something mm-hmm. I always did as a kid. Oh, absolutely. And I know that people
0: have a lot of nostalgia with their local either mom and pop shop, or maybe you were only allowed to go to a blockbuster for whatever reasons. But I had something called jumbo video. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those fantastic video stores that actually had a specialty section just for horror films. So Mm -hmm. it wasn't like, oh, there's regular aisles all over the place. This was like in the back left hand corner. Oh, it's at the porno section. Kind of. I think there was also a porno section on the right-hand <laughs> side, but <laughs> I never went to that part because I was mm. too young. I've never been to a video store with a back room. Like, I've never been to one. I mean, they definitely don't exist anymore, but
1: I no. think they were kind of, like, run out of town after a certain point. No, I know, but like, even as a kid, like, I mean, like, we we were a blockbuster family, but that's because we didn't... I don't even think we had a mom-and-pop shop in our neighborhood. Right. Ironically, until, like, my college years, and obviously that didn't last very long, but... I just, I've never been to a video store that had a back room for porn. Right. Hmm.
0: Well, Even I don't know if right. you're
1: missing that much. Anyway,
0: shut the fuck up. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they had this moat, and then it would take you into kind of a castle turret, and... What? Yeah, it was like a 360... <laughs> of just horror movies on like four different shows and they had different music playing. And I think sometimes (gasps) they would even have smoke and stuff to make it more atmospheric. And I would just always go in there. Like my family would be looking for regular movies. I'm using air quotes and I would just go in there and just do 360 pans the whole fucking time looking at all of these gorgeous, mostly eighties covers. And the one that always struck me was the mutilator because it looked like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre because mm. it's all just
1: people on hooks, and I was like, "What is happening in this movie that these people are on hooks?" Have you seen the Mutilator since?
0: I've never actually seen it.
1: Okay, I'm I, sorry. I, this is I, we're not talking about Mirror Mirror right now, but um, I actually blind bought the Blu-ray because I think it's an Arrow Blue, and um, a the original name was Fall Break, and you can actually watch the cut with like the Fall Break title card. But oh, fun, it has a title theme song called Fall Break, like. People singing "Fall oh, Break." <laughs> no, that is fantastic <laughs> and terrible. It's pretty bad. I don't really like the movie that much, but it's it's um it's dumb fun. Oh no! I mean, that's the best
0: part about these, right? Like half the time the films were absolute garbage, but the cover art was a thing
1: of beauty. Well, and so that's the thing, you know. I'm mean, a. I'm super jealous of this horror section yes, with a moat and whatever. Be. Like, I I, mm-hmm. I I would kill to see pictures of this. I'm sure I'm sure they don't exist, but. Yeah, I mean, for me, you know, we've gone through my origins of a horror fan where I wasn't allowed to watch R-rated films, so I, I would peruse the horror aisle and literally flip every box looking for one that wasn't rated R. So I came mm. to know these covers so intimately. Like again, Bleeders is one that always stuck out. Um, The Dentist one and two, the Corbin oh, Bernsen yes. ones, like those mm-hmm. those covers were always really striking. But like things that I I, I discovered Tremors this way because Tremors was PG thirteen, I think, and I was yeah. like, cool, I get to watch that. I got to watch this really shitty movie called King Cobra with Pat Morita about a giant king cobra. Oh yes, mm-hmm. Komodo with Kevin Zegers. Oh, like my that, yes. That. Oh my god, I love Komodo.
0: <laughs> no, I do. Too. So terrible. So good. So
1: I mean, it, it, again, such fond memories. And while I didn't have the same experience with Mirror Mirror, I think a lot of people did because. Hmm i've noticed more i mean i try to do more researching and like googling oh like are there think pieces about this film spoiler alert there aren't really but when i posted i was watching i saw people that were like oh my god this is one of those like mainstay video rentals for me mm-hmm. as
0: a kid. yeah i can imagine it got a lot of play on television when that started to become like a syndicated thing because this is perfect like you're not gonna scare too many people I- I can imagine girls renting this for slumber parties and that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, I'm hesitant to even call it gateway because some of the stuff in here is actually pretty horrifying. Like Mm -hmm. Charlene getting mutilated in the steam is actually quite upsetting. But this also feels sort
1: of tame in a lot of ways. Well, and you know, the whole time I was watching it was like, this feels like a TV movie to me. Yeah. This doesn't feel like a theatrical release. Um, I mean, I watched it on Amazon because it's streaming on Prime. Although I think it's also on Shutter, so I don't, I don't know if the quality's better. Hmm. But the quality looks like a VHS transfer; <laughs> like it doesn't yeah. look good. <laughs> yeah, I guess too. And I was watching; I was, I was kind of judging it on those terms. Like I wasn't scrutinizing this film with the same scrutiny that I would give to something that was a more mainstream theatrical release. And maybe that's unfair, but that's just kind of how my brain works.
0: I mean I think we'll get into it. I did manage to find one pretty decent reading from Kate Hagen, who I follow on Twitter and she's delightful and lovely. She talks about erotic horror or sorry, she talks about erotic thrillers quite often. So oh. uh, she's one of my favorites for that. But, yeah, I found a piece that she did on like 31 days of feminist horror and she really talked this film up as one of those, I was about to say seminal. What's what's the ovester term for <laughs> seminal? <laughs> <laughs> Omenal? Yeah, I guess.
1: Ova Oven, Minol. Ova Minol, yeah. <laughs> she talked about
0: it as an Ova Minol, uh, a horror film for girls, and I got a couple of good uh, choice pieces out of her article, but yeah, it, it feels like this is one where I think when this episode drops, people will be like, oh, right, I remember watching that, but it's probably not a mainstay for a lot of folks.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well... This movie did get reviewed when it came out. Like, I mean, so it's not on Rotten Tomatoes, but Entertainment Weekly did give this a B minus um, when it was released. Okay. On Rotten Tomatoes, it is one of the few films without a tomato meter score because there are only two reviews for it. Uh. Both more, I'm going to say more contemporary. They're both posted like after the year 2000. Right. But one is good, one is bad. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll see if we can edge that up with this. Yeah. And we've got a letterboxed score of 5.8 out of 10. So. You know it's pretty I think that's pretty on par because again, like for me, that's basically a three out of five, right,
0: yeah, I think you said three out of five. I'm somewhere between a three and a three and a half,
1: I think that's fair. I mean again we'll 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 see if either one of our minds change as we discuss this, which uh we can start now
0: all right, so we open with some old timey music in the late nineteen thirties uh fifties now her diary says nineteen thirty nine it
1: does say nineteen thirty nine but the music is the 50s. Is it? Yes. I, okay, so uh, let's not cut this out, because I, I, I'm curious, because I, this is stupid. The Wikipedia plot does say the 50s. But okay. but the music, to me, cues me to the 50s. But you are correct in that it does say the 1939 in her journal. So I don't know. I don't know if that's an... Again, maybe I'm wrong, or maybe the movie is confused. Right. <laughs>
0: I mean, some of the details do get a little lost in translation in this script, so Mm -hmm. I'm not surprised that we're already struggling with this. But okay, so we opened in the far past, we'll say. (laughs) A decade. There was a decade in time. That's where we opened. Most important to know, we are introduced to Mary Weatherworth, and she's played by Tracy Lee Gold. And basically, our introduction is a cold open. We see her stabbing her twin sister, Elizabeth, who is played by Michelle
1: Gold, Mm -hmm. to death in some kind of... Well, so we don't really know what it is yet, right? Like, we just know that she's killing her. We know the mirror. Obviously, we're watching a movie called Mirror Mirror. So we know know the mirror is, like, something to do with it. (laughs) But there's this interesting moment where it
0: seems like something is trying to come through the mirror. And then it closes again. And I'm not
1: going to lie. Considering how female-driven this film is, I was like... A vagina hole? Is that a vagina? Yes, I wrote, the mirror gets a vagina hole and then closes after the woman dies. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, I'm glad to see we're on the same page with We this. are. Two men who like men
0: noticing vagina holes. That's what this podcast is all about. Hell, that's the alternative title of this podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, so then we get some credits, and now we're up to the present day, which is presumably 1989, 1990. Sure. So, we are introduced to antique shop owner Emmeline,
1: who is played by the wonderful Yvonne Carlo. So, most people will know her as Lily Munster from The Munsters, that's great. I actually don't really know her from much else. No, me neither. Like, you had it on the cheat sheet, and then when I put her into the search, the
0: Google search, it was like, Oh yeah, okay, I recognize her, but she looks so different to me out
1: of makeup. Yes, She's had a very- I mean, oh, I'm sorry, she's also in the Ten Commandments. That's one thing I-, I mean, I've seen that movie, so, like, I know I've seen her in it, but, like, I couldn't tell you who she is in that movie.
0: <laughs> oh, I see. Okay, I have no relationship to that, maybe. Uh,
1: Catholics, baby.
0: I mean, good on you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've seen some people compare her role to Poltergeist.
1: Uh, Yes, of Zelda Rubenstein. And Mm -hmm. apparently she was supposed to have a role in this movie, but she had to back out for undisclosed reasons. Now, I have to assume this was the role. (laughs) Oh, right. Like, there's no other role this could have been.
0: No, I I 100% think so. And I 100% think that if she backed out for any other reasons, then, oh, I've already played this role in a bigger franchise. No, thank you.
1: I think this would have come out like, oh, God, I don't, I'm not gonna look it up. But like around the time of Poltergeist 3. And I wonder if just like with everything with um, Heather O'Rourke dying and Mm. the horrible shit that movie went through with like, maybe she was like, I'm taking a break. Like, (laughs) I'm not gonna do this shit. I'm done playing mystic spiritualist. Thank you. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so th- this character, Imalyn, I mean, Avonda Carlo must have been on set for three days because she is constantly by herself. Yes. Delivering exposition about this mirror.
0: hmm.
1: Which I love because it's only for our benefit. Yeah. No, she's re- and she's reading out loud to herself. And it's like, why are you reading? <laughs> like, why are you doing this? <laughs> I mean, my God, give her a cat or something that she can at least play off of. It also takes her several days to make it through this journal. Like, I'm sorry. Like, (laughs) I don't think there's, like, that much material that would require you to spend days trying to figure out what's going on with this mirror. I'm sorry. I'm just imagining the salacious sex
0: life of Mary Weatherworth being like,
1: oh, this is some (laughs)
0: juicy reading. Also, Weatherworth, man. Like, what the fuck? I know. And they keep saying it. Oh, the Weatherworth house. I just thought that does not roll off the tongue as someone who's tried to say repeatedly on
1: this podcast can attest to. I want to say Weatherford, which I think is what you mistakenly said, like initially, initially almost said before you corrected yourself, or like Butterworth. (laughs) I I
0: mean, Butterworth is the one that comes to mind most distinctively, but uh, just call her
1: Mary Weather, or Mary Worth. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> but it lacks like the gravitas of something like Weatherworth, you know? This is true. It doesn't have that
0: antiquey vibe that we're looking for. Mm-hmm. So, all this to say, Emmeline is there to clean up the old Weatherworth house because it has been purchased by a widowed woman named Susan Gordon, who is played by Karen Black. Mm-hmm. And also her teenage daughter, Megan, who is played, as we mentioned, by Rainbow Harvest. And it's a very fun dynamic. least at the beginning
1: Um, i'm sorry really before we move on to these people i just want to say that i I did make a note so when Emmeline finds the journal so she finds the journal which is the diary from 1939 Mm -hmm. she also finds a book titled the black arts and then she just goes hmm (laughs) 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 like it's like this is a curious thing to find in this house not like what the fuck is this (laughs) i'm not even like oh right there was a brutal murder that happened in this house this explains a lot Well, and then she finds another book that's like scientific occultism. And it's like, lady, you -hmm. hit the jackpot. You've solved the crime. (laughs) Very much so. And she doesn't seem to care. She's not all that bothered by it. But she's also like, I'm going to take these home for some late night bedtime reading. I honestly thought that she was going to be the one to get the power of the mirror. Like, she was going to read the journals and be like, I can do this too. Like, that's what I thought we Hmm. were going to. (laughs) I didn't know
0: what was happening. I didn't know if this was our main character. And then to find out, oh, no, we're actually just doing this because other characters are going to come in was a little confusing initially. Mm Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so we are introduced to Susan and Megan, and Susan uh, is later described by Megan as very Beverly Hills, which I thought was a perfect description of how Karen Black is playing this chipper and bright motherfucking woman.
1: So, honestly, this is a character that, I mean, she's fun to watch, but she's very. it's very much like, your husband died four months ago. Mm-hmm. Why? Again, it, it, the, just, the write-off is, oh, she's just very L.A., She's very L.A., but you can also
0: tell that she's very sad. Like, she is trying so fucking hard to be happy,
1: and she's not really doing a great job of it. And I will say that I actually really enjoy her arc in this film, Mm -hmm. to the point where when—spoiler alert, everyone—when she dies at the end of the film, I was genuinely upset. Oh, yeah. No, I don't.
0: I feel like very few of these deaths are satisfying in the way that we go, oh, yeah, fuck that character. It's very much like, oh, this is just getting more and more sad. Yeah. I mean, even with the head bitch who, well, okay. Sorry. We'll talk about it when we get there. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I have thoughts about Charlene. Yeah. Okay. And of course, Megan is basically doing
1: Lydia cosplay from Beatles. I mean, it's apparent from the get go, she will eventually get a hat. <laughs> The hat <laughs> is magnificent. It is magnificent, but it is straight up out of Beetlejuice. I was mm-hmm. like, okay. I mean, it's shameless. It's egregious. But I'm like, you know, whatever. Fuck it. Like <laughs> this is this is like a low budget movie from 1990 that came out two years after Beetlejuice. So here we go. Oh, I I totally loved it. I don't fault the movie
0: for it at all. Right. And in part, I think it's because Rainbow Harvest looks so fucking
1: much like Winona Ryder. Like there were times yes. where I thought, is this
0: Winona Ryder
1: just doing mm-hmm. cosplay? honestly the only time where i was taken out of that illusion because she has on the side of her head like a blonde like yes. yeah i mean i guess their roots i don't or maybe like the dye didn't get that far down her head i don't know oh, what it bitch, is no that's a punk aesthetic she's got like half and half there you go okay um that's the only thing that took me out of it because all i was missing was a red bridal dress right i did see somebody else describe this as it's basically
0: lydia meets boy george and i thought <laughs> oh that's also apt that's very apt yeah <laughs> uh so megan is not excited to be moving into this new place but she does like the mirror in her room Mm
1: -hmm.
0: immediately attracted to it Mm -hmm. in a very physical way that we will soon find out (laughs) i mean if you find a mirror that turns you on stroke it lick it fuck it
1: uh what is there's a word for something for people that are like sexually attracted to inanimate objects Oh,
0: God, I'm not going to be able to remember, but apparently there was that Great Jumbo movie that came out last year.
1: Oh, yeah, 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 I know. You're right. Um, which you've seen, and I haven't. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's also in one of those, um, like my. my Oh, God, like my sacred addiction or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that thing. Oh, dear. Yeah.
0: Um, that's a dark path. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so Megan heads off to school, and this is a very clean cut, preppy high school, which basically means she's the only person wearing black.
1: Um, yes. I actually like that. Like, the difference between her her outfit and everything else, even the production design, is mm-hmm. kind of great this entire time. Oh, yeah. And we're introduced to this subplot involving the class president, mm-hmm. Riggs. I was very invested in this
0: subplot, actually. Oh, my God. When they said that the election had already ended and we didn't get something bigger, <laughs> yes! I was disappointed.
1: <laughs> I was so mad. I was like, I wanted to see this. But I guess like, well, you don't want to see Charlene win. No. Okay. This is true. Yeah, so this is a
0: race between ambitious political student Nikki Chandler, played by Kristen Datillo, and she has a dim boyfriend named Ron, who is played by Ricky Paul Golden. And Ron is kind of like the comedic MVP of this movie, because he's a full
1: blown idiot. So he's actually a horror quiz veteran, Joe. Do you know where we've talked about him before? So I knew I recognized him, but I couldn't place him. He is the guy in The Blob who essentially tries to date rape that girl before her body, like, sucks him in. Okay, yes. Yes. (laughs) I think I found him cute in The Blob, too. Yeah, no, I I mean, he's cute here, he's cute there. He's less of a shithead here. Um, Well, kind of, honestly. Kind of. Yeah, like... He's not great, we'll put it that way. Yeah, for being Nikki's boyfriend, which I honestly didn't realize they were dating until about the midway point of the film. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yeah, he's just, he's just like, I didn't like that he was also mean to Megan. Like, I kind of wish it was like, like a mean girl situation, right? Where it's like, oh, we have mm. the Janice and the Damien. No, here, it's just Janice and another douchebag. Right? Yeah. I mean, I don't think he's as mean as other people. But no. he, well, I think he
0: even says at one point, you know, why are you making a pet project of this girl? Like he, he
1: feels like Megan is coming between them and he doesn't like it. There is a time later, though, where he flat out tells her, like, oh, yeah, can you make the mirror make you normal? And it's like, dude. Yeah, no, that's Go shitty. away. <laughs> yeah, extra shitty. Yeah. So
0: Nikki's political adversary is the mean girl of the school, and that is Charlene Kane, and she is played by Charlie Sprawling.
1: Nice knockers
0: um yeah i was not expecting to
1: get a ta scene in this movie but uh dtv maybe well it's like because all of her political ads emphasize her tits um and that's the <laughs> line we get from ron it's like i mean like the only thing she has that you don't or whatever is like nice knockers <laughs> yeah and then nikki's like stop looking at her tits what yeah. is wrong with you <laughs>
0: Ah, uh, sadly, Megan makes a bad first impression when she goes into Mr. Anderson, who is played by Stephen Tobolowsky's class. Who will repeat this role in 2003's Freaky Friday. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, like, I had to look up the character's name because I don't know that they really ever say it. But as soon as he showed up, I was like, oh, it's Tobo. He's yeah. playing Tobo because he only
1: ever plays Tobo. 100%. The only time I have seen him not play this type of role... Is in One Day at a Time, the Netflix slash pop series. Oh, right. Yes. Okay. He plays uh, the, the boss of the main character, but he gets in a relationship with Rita Moreno. Oh, nice. Okay. Well, that mm. sounds like a nice stretch for him. Literally, when, when he showed up, I was like, oh, I fucking hate this guy. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, he's not playing a total shithead.
0: Okay. Yeah, because he often plays this sarcastic, sardonic, kind
1: of jerky authority figure. Someone who clearly was bullied a lot as a child who was a bully as an adult.
0: Yeah, Okay.
1: I mean, fits with the theme of this movie. Oh yeah, for
0: sure. Yeah, so Megan trips almost immediately. I do like the use of slow-mo in this film in particularly important moments to Megan. So she has a slow-mo moment where she walks in and everybody's just staring at her and whispering, and then it trips her up literally, and she runs out of class, but it endears her to Nikki,
1: who comes and brings her her bags, and they start their friendship. Okay, so I was getting major. Um, obviously, we've said carry, but like going back to one of our very first episodes on the Rage Carrie Two, mm. I felt like as someone who was pretty like meticulously meticulously, oh, my, my words are off today. Um, who was pretty <laughs> ridiculously bullied right. a lot in middle school. Like, I think this is why I enjoyed the first half of this movie so much is because I loved seeing this friendship develop between. Oh the my two. god! Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Their chemistry is great, and it's just <laughs> again, it's like it's like oh, we have this girl. Who- she's the outcast and these people are mean to her just because she wears black yes ah they were so charismatic and charming that i just wanted to see more of them together absolutely and even though like the film is actually
0: giving us a lot of that in the first half Mm -hmm. it makes you realize once again how infrequently we get good female friendships particularly in horror films so then this comes along and you think oh fuck yes give me more of this i actually like it yes exactly
1: yeah fair yeah. point
0: okay so we need to cut back to the antique shop so that we can touch base with emma <laughs> <laughs> basically she's just reading mary's diary and we're learning about the fact that there's evil and she's doing the light reading and then she catches up with real estate agent mrs perlili who is
1: played by ann heard perfili like it's an f like instead of a lily it's a feely like mr mcfeely God damn it, I had that no, right then, and it's no. wrong on IMDb. Trust me, I made the same mistake when I was re- making, writing my notes, so I was right there with you. <laughs> Alright, so she connects
0: with real estate agent Miss Perfili, and, uh... Who's pregnant for no reason. For no reason, and barely plays a part in this movie, but she does turn up a couple times, mm-hmm. and this is where we learn that the mirror that was supposed to be delivered to the antique shop is still in Gordon House.
1: Yep, and she's just kind of like, huh, hmm. that's
0: interesting. I'll come back to that later.
1: Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a day, and I'm going to continue reading these books.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm just such a slow reader. <laughs> All right, so Megan comes home from school, and this is where we learn that one of the dogs, so Susan has two new dogs. I got the impression they're kind of like therapy dogs for her, or something to fill the void.
1: They are, because her therapist, or I'm sorry, her psychiatrist, told her to get the dogs told sorry told her to move
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and told her to get two dogs <laughs> yes and is like telling her to make friends and like start her life again it's like i don't know man this all seems really fast <laughs> well i mean and i'm not a therapist admittedly but i don't think therapists are supposed to tell you what to do i mm-hmm. think they're supposed to guide you but yeah. not say yeah you should totally like totally uproot your life and move away yeah It's kind of fun, too,
0: that it's just a disembodied voice on the phone. So we don't ever meet this person. But I'm going to say that they're the real villain of this movie.
1: There is a phone call that happens between Karen Black and the psychiatrist. And she's like going on about how uh, she can't sleep, blah, blah, blah. And she's Mm -hmm. like, and I'm hot. And I'm like, what is your psychiatrist going to (laughs) do about how hot you are? She wants pills. She wants an ice
0: bath. She wants reassurances that she's still sexy because she's going through menopause. And the therapist
1: asks how the dogs are doing. And she's like, I don't know. I've only had them for two weeks.
0: <laughs> it's Okay. Bananas. Yeah. So one of these dogs is already dead, though. Because, of course, yeah. it went into the room
1: and Ooh, yeah. off-screen violence. Content warning for two dead dogs. We see the corpse of the first one, but thankfully not the second one. Yeah, I
0: will say I may have given a chuckle at the fact that Susan is so out of touch that she doesn't see anything wrong with prominently displaying the dead dog's body on the
1: kitchen counter. No, I I agree with you. I'm blaming it on the grief because I think she's just like, I don't know what to fucking do. But, oh, 100%. Yeah. Uh, it's a hilarious visual, and mm-hmm. Megan's reaction to it is appropriate. <laughs> yes. Megan is like, What the
0: fuck is this? Why is this up here? <laughs> <laughs> so then that night, Megan has a nightmare about the decomposing body of her dead father attacking her. And like, all of this stuff is so good. Yeah, I'm totally I really am sort
1: of it. Mm-hmm. The makeup on this guy, like, mm-hmm. it, he basically looks like a melted wax figure, and it's yes. awesome. It's really good. Yeah. Simple, though. It's simple, but effective. hmm Yeah.
0: All right. So the next morning at school, Megan runs into Charlene's hot and seemingly kind boyfriend, Jeff. And the problem is, is that Jeff, who is played by Tom Bresnahan, he looks quite similar to Ron. To Ron? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like generic white boy syndrome in this movie.
1: <laughs> no, I thought the same thing. I also, for some reason, wrote him down as Ted initially in my notes. And then I, I also had the... Ted. Okay, oh my God. Okay, no, I, I think they say Ted. I think they, I think say, they say Ted, Ted. at yes. his first thing, at his first appearance. But then it's Jeff. for the rest of the movie,
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> folks. As we mentioned, there are some wonky things happening with this movie.
1: Having just edited our episode on The Forsaken, where sometimes we're like, uh, I don't remember what happened. Or in The Skulls, where we're like, we stopped stop paying attention to this movie. This is not one of those cases. We both meticulously mm-hmm. watched this movie. <laughs> yeah, but I'm blaming the movie in this part. Um, yeah, this is the movie's fault. <laughs> so Megan is introduced
0: to Jeff Ted, and she finds him quite hot. Which is understandable, because Jeff Ted is quite hot. Yeah. Uh, and then she proceeds on. So she and Nikki have kind of a great day where they're getting in trouble in drama class and then they're hanging I, out in the scene art was room. This good too.
1: I loved this drama class scene.
0: <laughs> I just love that they're giggling like little shits and everybody's, "Hey, we're trying to perform here. Can you shut the fuck up out there?" I think it's Charlene, right? Oh, is it
1: Charlene on the stage? That I think so. Sense. I mean, yeah. okay. <laughs> I think so. I think it's Charlene. And then she yells at the teacher, the teacher's been sleeping the whole time. And I was Mm -hmm. like, this is great. Like, this is so awesome.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And then we see that Nikki is actually really great at making objects out of clay. She's done an entire bust of Ron's head. And then she makes fun of how stupid he
1: is. Okay, the clay thing I thought was going to play a part in some kind of magical. Yes. Don't (laughs) introduce clay and then not do something with it. I don't know. (laughs) This is a ghost. Like, you can't just, like, have a pottery scene and make it, like, iconic. You Uh need to do something with this clay. Yeah, because folks, we are not talking about a small sculpture. This thing is larger than his actual head, and it's actually really impressive. Yeah, it's good. (laughs) It will never come back again. I mean, well, it does later, and it's been messed up, but, like, it doesn't do anything. No. It doesn't come alive and kill somebody. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) Uh,
0: Okay, but through all of that, we've been learning a little bit more about Weatherworth and uh, the historical legacy of the house mm-hmm all right so at home because of the dead dog susan has invited mr bill vesey played by william sanderson to dinner. okay
1: the whole time because this is before i made my little notes i was like who the fuck is this actor he looks so familiar mm-hmm. um sheriff dearborn from true blood <laughs> yeah he's got such a meek mousy face he's
0: one of those character actors where he shows up and you just think oh, okay i know who you are immediately
1: uh unfortunately again though like his inclusion kind of comes to nothing
0: yeah it's a little bit surprising to the extent that i almost wonder if there was a subplot or something that got dropped because it really does feel like they're building up to something with him and susan and yes obviously we get the sex scene later on but that's it for him Mm-hmm. yeah yeah he just leaves the movie at a certain point Mm-hmm. yeah there's a bit of that in the back half mm-hmm so we have this awkward dinner. Megan is not happy that he is there, but she's not being a bitch or a brat about it. She's just not really engaging with anything. She's just quiet. Yeah, she's just quiet. And then this is where the flies
1: begin to arrive. <laughs> so it's, it's very Amityville horror. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so we have like a nest of flies building on the corner of the mirror. Oh, also, I should point out, I actually love the way that um, the mirror is shot. It's frequently shot from like below to where (laughs) it has this kind of hulking presence. So there's a menace to this mirror that I really like from the get go. Oh, yes.
0: And then later on, we'll actually see scenes that are
1: almost shot like from the mirror's point of view. And Mm -hmm. those are also great. Yeah, they're really good. Yeah, it's like a blue tent, but it's kind of out of focus. Or maybe that was just the VHS transfer. I don't know good question <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah and so then we just get this really like lengthy scene of sheriff dearborn like swatting flies away from his food <laughs> mm-hmm. and no one's
0: saying anything <laughs> no one's saying anything and then at one point he's just like all right i can't do this anymore so he leaves but he makes a reference to flashbacks and i couldn't yep. help but wonder
1: is that a reference to like vietnam so he does say vietnam oh does he okay i missed that yes. part He's having PTSD flashbacks because he was in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. I like it because it's like, okay, he's not sitting here like, oh, this is a dirty ass house with flies. He's mm-hmm. literally like blaming himself for it. Yeah. But it's also kind of like, okay, but like, why? Like, why? Like why is this important for us to know?
0: Yeah, it's a bit of an
1: odd character
0: beat. Like, I like that for him because it does give him Mm -hmm. just something more that we didn't really know that we needed from him. I took it to be that we're already associating this house
1: with death. Uh, okay. No, I get that. That makes sense. I mean, maybe it'd be too cruel. But, like, if he he was, A, had a death scene that Mm -hmm. involved something with, like, a Vietnam flashback or he thought he was having a flashback but it was actually something coming to kill him. Like, you know, that would make sense to me. Right, because even, you know, Megan never discovers
0: that he has been sleeping with her mom. And that would totally make sense, right? Like she discovers this, she blames him because dad isn't there anymore. Well, like dad is dead. But, you know, mom is moving too fast, and she's sleeping with you. And then yeah, we get something
1: Vietnam related. Yeah, I mean, yeah, M- maybe that's in poor taste. I don't know, but it just it would make the inclusion of this make more sense. Mm-hmm. I think really after this, we just get the kind of sex scene between him and the mom, and there's nothing else with him after that. I think so. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, but already what we're establishing is that there is a bit of a division between mother and daughter because Megan does not approve of these actions either. So, in gym class the next day, we get further clarity that Megan is being ostracized by everyone except Nikki when she is chosen last for some kind of pool team
1: matchup. I wrote in my notes, in all caps, why do they make kids pick each other in turns? Like, oh, it's so bad. <laughs> we see it on Drag Race because they're obviously trying to start drama, like, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I never understood why in, like, in school, Why do you want to instantly, like, split your kids up and make someone feel left out like that? Because I can tell you right Mm -hmm. now, being picked last, while it's a stereotype um, of, like, you know, of a trope of films like this, it doesn't feel good. It really sucks. Yeah, and it really does
0: happen because someone literally has to be chosen last. And the reality is, is that
1: it's going to be the person who isn't popular to the people who are picking the teams. And this scene is even more egregious because not only is she put on Charlene's team, but then they're like, can she not just go on the other team? We'll take one less player. It's fine. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's so bizarre,
0: too, because of course she's going to be picked last. She's literally the new girl. It would make more sense for this. I mean, this gym teacher is a huge bitch, so... Yeah. i'm not surprised but at the same time you would think oh there's the new girl let's make sure she gets chosen first to make her right? feel welcome
1: that would make more sense i mean have you have you ever again i can't think of a specific instance but i know in my mind that i've been picked last for something like this have you ever had an experience like this oh for sure yeah because i i played a bunch of sports and it, oh, it's yeah. more
0: casual right like it's more pickup kind of stuff but it's like oh okay who's gonna get picked last and i'm I was never good at those kinds of sports, so I wasn't picked first.
1: Oh, okay. I I guess I just would think that you would be. Maybe that's why you got into sports later is because you're trying to, like, redo, like, (laughs) your childhood. Entirely possible. I
0: mean, I played soccer as a kid, but that's Mm. not a sport where you get picked, so it was like you just end up on a team. What sports were you forced to play as a kid? So I played baseball, and that Mm. was bad. (laughs) Oh, I also got beaned. So that was not good. I had like, I don't want to say PTSD because that's overselling it. But I, yeah, like if you get hit by the ball. Oh,
1: like purposefully? Well,
0: someone was pitching
1: and the ball hit me. Oh, I guess I'm thinking like when you swing the bat, it it might be like a girly swing. And so people like, sorry, not for you specifically, but like in general for us queer folk, because that was definitely my issue when I played baseball. (laughs) Didn't have a good swing. Didn't have a good swing. Um, Yeah, I did baseball. I did basketball once. And I did soccer. I hated soccer, though, because um, I hated the socks. Okay. Not a fan of the thigh highs, huh? Yeah, the thighs, you have to wear, like, the shin guards. And I will say that peeling those things off is orgasmic. (laughs) A wet (laughs) sprook. Oh, it's so gross. I I really, really hated sports. I have a PTSD of my parents yelling, Hustle! Hustle! Like, as you're running down the field. Ugh, I hate that. Yeah,
0: and just in case anyone is working in mental health and they want to challenge us, we recognize that we're saying PTSD very liberally and very flippantly. It's oh, yeah. more just, it can be upsetting to remember not great memories from the past.
1: Uh, well, again, don't want to say trauma. It's not really trauma because it's not like, well... It's just bad memories. It's, yeah, bad memories of this shit. But I did interrupt mm-hmm. you, so if you wanted to continue your story, <laughs> you can continue your story.
0: I, know. I mean, we'll, we'll get back to the movie because really this is about Megan and how she feels. Um, well, except we're about to cut back to the movie that Emmalyn's in. (laughs) Yes, this is true. Some of these early scenes do suffer from some weird editing decisions, because it's almost like, oh, right, we got to get Emmalyn in here somewhere. So there is uh, this bit about how we learn that black cloth can be used to block the demon's power.
1: Yes, which... Okay. Okay. (laughs) Uh, I I will accept this fact. Um, Why... She doesn't just put the thing on the mirror later. Um, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I guess she gets stabbed, but whatever. She was seduced
0: by its power, Trace. She was going to stroke it.
1: It just says, mirrors are a gateway to the other side, allowing demons to enter our world. The demons will seduce people into using its power and then fall prey to the demon's evil bidding.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: a black cloth was used to void the creature's power. Which, I hope y'all aren't expecting to see much of a creature in this movie yeah we we get a couple glimpses and that's about it and questions will arise later indeed
0: yeah (laughs) all right so we cut back to what's happening at school and we've got nikki and charlene butting heads in the cafeteria about their respective electoral campaigns it's all fun stuff And then we shift into slow motion as Megan and Nikki and Ron walk to their seats. And Megan again hears people laughing at her. And this is where at home, the mirror begins to bleed. And at school, Mm.
1: Charlene starts to get a really fucking epic nosebleed. It's rivaled only by the one in Drag Me to Hell, but it is great. I also think the visual of the blood pouring down this mirror is kind of awesome.
0: Hmm, and then of course we're, we're using some pretty obvious reversal like we're just running the film backwards but it is also great when susan then approaches the door because the dog's barking at the mirror and mm-hmm. we just see the blood retracting back up and yep. yes i'm going to make the obvious final destination water
1: back into the toilet reference well but that's the thing that the the mirror constantly covers up its tracks <laughs> like it makes oh, yeah. bodies just disappear <laughs> I fucking love it. It's love kind of it. great. Like the, the powers of this mirror are basically everything. Oh, yeah. If you can imagine it, this mirror can do it. Mm-hmm. And normally I'd be like, I'd like these powers defined a little bit more. I don't care here. I don't care.
0: No, give me sentient mirror who can do fucking everything. I'm really happy.
1: With yeah, it. this mirror <laughs> sprouts some legs and arms. Well, it does kind of sprout arms at one point. This is true have it walk around the house I am there for it <laughs> oh my god a walking mirror that sounds terrifying <laughs> so good <laughs>
0: okay so we hop over to Nikki's house where we're just kind of hanging out and this is where Megan starts to wonder if she and or witchcraft is responsible for Charlene's nosebleed this is when Ron pieces out he is not interested in the conversation so he just yeah. leaves
1: I said the line earlier, but yeah, because basically Nikki and Ron still don't believe her about Mm -hmm. the mirror. And Megan is pretty much like, no, I'm pretty sure I made that happen. And his line to her is, yeah, why don't you try to make something happen right now? Like, make yourself a normal person. And I'm just so mean. Yeah, Dick, you don't have to do that. I mean, there's a certain
0: amount of questioning that organically happens when you're in high school because you're just trying to figure shit out anyway.
1: But like, she's clearly upset about it. You don't need to be a dick. Yeah, but again, he he never he never thought she was okay to begin with. Like, it's not like no. he's turning on her. He's just like always thinks she's weird.
0: Yeah, he he is only talking to her because Nikki is talking to her.
1: Yeah, hm? yeah.
0: The next day at school, Charlene and her lackey Kim, who is played by Dorit Sar, they have decided that the next level of intimidation is that they're going to dress up in black just like
1: Megan. So, did you catch the Carrie reference here? No, I did not. So, in in the car when they pull up, first uh, Jeff, Ted is like, uh oh, y'all, this is really mean, blah, blah, blah. And Charlene is doing her whole, it's just a joke, which is what bullies oh, love yes. to do. Mm-hmm. But she goes, it's not like we're going to code her in pig's blood or anything. Oh my God, really? Yeah. Nice. Okay. So the movie very much knows what it's doing. <laughs> oh, yes.
0: I get the sense that this film knows exactly what it is referencing.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it does play like that. It's, well, okay, sorry. Well, comparisons don't need to be made because we've already made them. Right. Okay.
0: So Megan comes in and she just
1: kind of ignores this, but she's obviously, you know, a little upset by it. Yeah, but I didn't think, honestly, like in terms of pranks, I was kind of like, oh, that's it? Okay, like if someone wants to dress up like me, by all means, (laughs) like do it. Yeah, it, it's just a little bit mean, and it
0: does get a line out at of Tobo, because he says, yeah. oh, I hope this isn't the start of something.
1: Yeah, that, mm, I feel like teachers, I mean, again, maybe I'm totally wrong, but I feel like teachers can't really get away with shit like that nowadays. No. I never had a teacher like this. I never had a teacher that, like, single anyone out, really, to my knowledge, for things like that.
0: Um... I did. I had one who was admittedly a little close to retirement age, but I vividly remember a faculty member in in high school. We had a a faculty member who told us that we wouldn't amount to anything except working in fast food.
1: Oh, I had that in college. I had a professor tell us that um, we can all go sign up for the war and get killed because we didn't do our reading the night before. Jesus. (laughs) But that's college. We're adults by that point.
0: I mean admittedly but that also seems a little bit like well if you want to fail it's your decision you're paying for it pretty much yeah anyway so Tobo decides to take his intimidation to the next level because he checks her test and he's unhappy so he's like it's some kind of line about like oh your your problem is that you don't have any solution
1: yeah so so was she not doing the test I thought that she had just
0: finished it but maybe she just hadn't completed it at all
1: yeah, I don't know. I thought maybe she just wasn't doing it, but I, yeah, the film doesn't really its not clear. tell us. <laughs> no.
0: All this to say, it doesn't make her happy because he then begins to choke. We quickly learn that he is asthmatic, and then he collapses on his desk and gets wheeled away. And wheeled out of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yes, never to be seen again. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Tobo. <laughs> That's a wrap on Tobo. Yep. So, at home, Susan is making her best effort to get a little zhuzhed up. She's got a lime green miniskirt. She's looking hot.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs)
0: Um, I do also like the fact that Susan wears different wigs throughout the film, because... Yes.
1: It's just fun. Again, Karen Black's face is fairly distinct, but it's this Mm -hmm. long-haired wig where I was like, okay, this looks like Karen Black. Yes. What she's introduced in, I was very much like, oh, this this is a different look for her. But that's supposed to be her real hair, right? Or is that still a wig? I kind of thought that they were all wigs. Maybe that's true. You might be right. You might be right. Yeah, because when
0: she's introduced, and I'm, like, already losing names, so you're going to have to help me. She mm. looks
1: like Adam's Family Values. Debbie Jelinski. Oh, my yeah. God. I thought the same fucking thing. Like, even <laughs> <Okay>. the way... <laughs> <laughs> even the way she like behaves her her, her mannerisms like it's yes. very joe cusack as family values <laughs> yes because i i actually
0: thought oh maybe she's going to be the villain and she's going to be telling megan no you can't do mm-hmm. anything like she's an authoritarian mother but it's not she's just dressed like her
1: so i love having this kind of experience with you because i mean i've said like sometimes i'll like, usually i'll watch the movie along with the wikipedia plot to make sure i'm like catching everything. Mm -hmm. I intentionally did not do that with this movie, and I only looked at the basic plot, like the one sentence logline. So I literally had no idea where this movie was going. Yeah, and honestly,
0: I would kind of advise people that that's the best way to do it because there's a bunch of moments in here where
1: you just go, okay, movie, I didn't think you were going to go there. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, again, three star movie for me, but there's plenty of surprises in store. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah, like this is a hearty recommendation, even though I don't think it's entirely successful.
1: Speaking of surprises, we're getting to our piece de resistance of the film.
0: Oh my god, it's so good. Yeah, so Megan doesn't approve of this outfit, and she runs upstairs, and this is again where the mirror begins dripping blood, but Megan is actually here to see it, and this Mm -hmm. is when she seems to get a little sexually excited, because she definitely begins
1: licking and gently humping. Okay, so yes the licking at first I was like oh my god Mm -hmm. (laughs) we Mm -hmm. are licking this rando blood on this evil mirror yes so that was my first jaw drop Mm -hmm. then she starts kissing the mirror yep second jaw drop and then a hand a demon hand comes out between her thighs Mm -hmm. oh my god I don't even know. This is, I mean, I guess it's supposed to be her sexual awakening of sorts. So you were preparing it with, like, not puberty, because she's clearly already gone through puberty, but. But Ugh, it kind of is, right? Like, I mean, this is an almost entirely female creative team with mm-hmm. an
0: almost entirely female cast. Mm mm-hmm. And we're dealing with issues of like sexual liberation, female rage, female oppression. This to me was very much a sexual coming of age moment where she is fucking this mirror. She's accepting this demon into her. And as a result, she is kind of claiming her power, like her sexual agency via demonic possession.
1: Well, and then the blood gets kind of more gushy. Really, it's the climax of this sex scene because we get more (laughs) blood. I mean, I have never seen anything like this in a film before, and Mm -hmm. I am here for it.
0: Oh, I'm so here for it. And just because I mentioned her off the top, I am going to reference a little bit from Kate Hagen's review. Mm -hmm. Uh, So she talks specifically about this scene. She says the mirror is indicative of Megan's initial inability to embrace her personal style and the way she presents herself to the world. But once she's sexually communed with the incubus in the mirror, she's finally able to love her reflection in the endless void of mirror space. Most women struggle to love themselves from the beginning.
1: And see, no, I 100% buy into that. Like, that is what's happening here. It just kind of after this, it's like, all right, well, now she's just going to be an evil person who just kills people she Mm -hmm. becomes the serial killer of the film
0: yes yeah she starts to get her revenge but as a result megan as we know her is kind of just gone and that's disappointing because the megan that we were getting like i wanted to see that character find her strength and instead this just feels like oh okay you know we've got the actress here and she's going through the motions but the character is gone
1: there is a moment later, a line of dialogue from Megan that we'll get later that honestly rubbed me the wrong not not because I think it's inappropriate, but because I just hated what it meant for this character. That it just it really rubbed me the wrong way.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I guess the the sex scene is now done because she is interrupted by Emmeline, <laughs> who finally shows up. <laughs> yeah, she's like, "Hey, I'm here for my fucking mirror," and Megan's like, "Bye, get out of here." I'm I like the you.
1: mirror. I'm keeping it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Never seen so many people fighting about a mirror in my life. Emmeline's
1: like, "Well, I, what come to my shop? I have plenty of mirrors you can like." No, no, no. I like this one. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Can you imagine somebody going to bed like, "No, this is my mirror. I have <laughs> to have this mirror. I will not part with this mirror."
1: It's silly in concept. It's played pretty seriously here, which I mean, oh for sure. But like, it's yeah, it, it's pretty funny to talk about.
0: And interestingly enough, this we notice the change in Megan immediately because she's quite rude to Emmeline she's slamming the door in this woman's face and she's
1: quote-unquote prettified now
0: oh yes yes um in fact let's get to that because we've got a cut to charlene's party which (laughs) sidebar (laughs) appears to be taking place at the school i don't think it's meant to
1: be the school but that's what i thought too looks like it (laughs) and this is when i realized that nikki and rom were dating because when they went into the closet to make out i was like oh Oh. i guess they're together (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I do love that the
0: introduction to this party is literally Charlene's what appears to be an actual presidential election campaign video. It is so ludicrous.
1: I fucking loved it. Oh, I, yes. I, I mean, I don't think Charlene is really that memorable as a mean girl because she doesn't she doesn't really do much. Yeah, like she she does a lot of shitty things, but there's nothing on par with what Chris Harkinson does, with mm-hmm. what Regina George does. Like no. But I I still think she's an interesting character, but yeah, this um this video <laughs> <laughs> was like peak Charlene and I loved it. Oh, it's so
0: good. This was kind of queer icon status for Charlene, where you're just like, oh, I want to see
1: more of this bad boss. She's so much. It reminds me of Elle Woods' Harvard Law video. (gasps) Yes. only really diluted. No, absolutely, for sure. But like I want to be like I object. I am comfortable using legal jargon in everyday life.
0: <laughs> <laughs> My tits will save this school.
1: <laughs> that's. I mean that's really what. Yes, yeah, exactly.
0: exactly. Okay, so Megan arrives and she I mean, I don't want to say that she's looking hot, because I actually always think that
1: Megan looked good. It's just, she's classically attractive now. She's white as a ghost, but yeah, like, that's what I'm saying. I have it in quotes, but yeah, it's like, she's sexified.
0: Yeah, exactly. And she immediately catches Jeff, aka Ted, She catches his eye and he asks her to dance. And it's actually kind of a nice moment where they connect and he wants to talk. And she just says, can we please just dance? And she puts her head on his shoulder. And Mm -hmm. you're like, oh, this is sweet.
1: It's reminiscent of the first scene between her and Nikki. Like, I I like watching this.
0: Yeah, to the point where I was pretty sure it was a setup and it is revealed to be a setup. Mm -hmm. But it's believable enough that you think Jeff Ted may
1: actually like her. Well, he does empathize with her. Like, he constantly tells Charlene, like, why are you doing this? Like, what's your fixation on her? Mm -hmm. But he also doesn't do anything to stop any of it. So that's the issue there. Yes, indeed.
0: Yeah, so when Megan finds out,
1: she runs
0: off and she's tearful. And then uh, we see Charlene and Jeff Ted making out in the car and he is not into it. And as she goes
1: to give him head, he's like, get the fuck out. And they break up. This is, again, well, Carrie comparison, but it's just like the scene in Carrie when Mm -hmm. Chris uh, gives Billy head to make him help her with the pig's blood thing, which is always something I laugh at because she's going, Billy, 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 while she's giving him head, and Mm -hmm. it makes me laugh so hard. (laughs) You gotta, you know,
0: multitask. Talk around that dick, ladies. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 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 Oh, my God. This is where we get canceled.
1: No, it's fine. Uh, We've given blowjobs before. This is unabashedly true. Yes.
0: <laughs> so Charlene and Jeff Ted are officially broken up and he immediately goes to Megan's and they begin making out. She's a bit too aggressive for him. He becomes confused. Like he doesn't even seem to understand what's happening.
1: Because, hey, okay, so I think it's implied that Megan's will, like the mirror made him come there. The mirror oh, for made sure. him want. To, yeah, exactly. A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's just interesting to watch him try to grapple with it. Like, he both seems to know what's happening, but also not. So mm-hmm. Then, of course, then he says, you know what? I think I need to leave. I need to figure out what the fuck is happening. She gets upset, and she more or less commands the mirror to first murder him, and then get rid of the body.
1: Um, Question for you.
0: Mm-hmm. How does he die? I don't know. He He gets touched... By the mirror hands, and it turns him bloody, and then
1: he dies. (laughs) That's, yes. It's almost like it's bashing his head into the mirror, but like, yeah, it's, we just constantly, it's edited really weird, but we keep seeing the hands shake his head. Mm -hmm. Which gets, yeah, progressively more and more bloody, and Mm -hmm. then, yeah, that's it.
0: I don't think we had a stunt coordinator, or maybe the budget or the time to do something more than just
1: cover the actor in blood. Well, and here... (sighs) Maybe it's a budget, a bigger budget, but, like, why not take the, like, the hands of the nails of this creature and just, like, push them into both sides of his head? Hmm. You mm-hmm. know? Like, give me something. Give me a kill. This isn't a kill. This is just something that's bloody.
0: Yeah. I'm thinking of some of the other scenes, and I'm wondering if they're saving the pyrotechnics, per se,
1: for later deaths. It's possible, but, I mean, the most makeup-heavy bit is the Charlene stuff. Uh, and Susan's hand. But see though we don't see the hand. We see like I mean we see like a quick cut of her hand where it's covered in blood, but there's mm-hmm. no mangled like prop hand there. We we do see a lot of blood spraying out of the sink. Mm-hmm. But there's no like real prosthetics involved. Right. Okay. Uh, and we do get those with Charlene on her body, but yeah. it's a, a lot of it's masked by the steam. That's why it's steam. This is true. I mean, I I think this is getting
0: creative with what limited budget you have. Like, yeah, I will say Jeff Ted's death is the only one where I do have uncertainty. Like, I don't really know what happened. <laughs> yeah, I'm just that's like, oh, Okay, he's dead. Got it. <laughs> yeah, that's all it is. Yeah, so this is the moment where Susan tries to connect with Megan because she heard screaming and (laughs) Megan just turns her out. And then Susan goes back to bed. And this is where we see that
1: Bill is in there with her. And we also have Megan talks to the mirror and goes, make him go away. And Mm -hmm. Jeff Ted's body just disappears. (laughs) It's amazing. In the blink of an eye. No, yeah, but we actually get to see it. It's like, oh, we cut away and we go back and he's not there. We see him fade away, which is actually Mm kind of cool. Yeah, I liked it. Mm hmm.
0: All right. So at school the next day, Megan vows to help Nikki, even though Charlene has already won the election. So, folks, the election has been won. It happened off screen.
1: That's cheating the audience. That's what that's called. I needed a Charlene victory boast scene. Oh my God. Right. To like just really nail in how much of a cunt she is. Like, Mm -hmm, just like give it. We're bleeding into
0: her big death scene,
1: which again, I actually think is a
0: mistake. I don't think it should be happening here, but that's okay. Yeah. No, I agree okay so it's just every time in my notes back at the house Emily is doing Im- something.
1: <laughs> no. every time i have an emelyn bullet in my notes i bolded it to be like okay like let's separate these out and this is this is like a short film that we have with Emily doing her own thing a hundred percent yeah it's like this this could
0: be taken out it could be its own standalone short just you know emelyn does Emelyn reads. Mm-hmm. Emelyn goes to the house asking for a mirror. Emily gets stabbed through the hand and then runs away and leaves the second dog to get killed. Oh, she like
1: she hears that dog die and still books it. Like... <laughs> uh-huh. She knows what's up. Yeah, so Emily she walks in with the black cloth. She touches the mirror, which then pierces her hands. Mm-hmm. She drops the cloth and runs away. Yeah, she nearly did it. She just needed to not actually put her hands on the mirror. And that's where if we're going into like Oculus territory here, like I do think that movie does a better job of showing the mirror's influence on people. Mm -hmm. This one, I was very unclear. I was like, wait, what? Like she looks a little hypnotized, but I'm still not clear what's happening here.
0: Yeah, I think default just assume people are being
1: hypnotized. Yeah, they look at it. Boom, done. Exactly. (laughs) You got one split second chance and then you're in trouble. (laughs) Bitch should have walked in with a blindfold. (laughs) Walk
0: in backwards using a (laughs) Medusa mirror. Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. So back at school, and Trace, I have to tell you, as a person who has played water polo, I died watching this scene. This is
1: not water polo. Okay, I didn't know what this, it's like beach volleyball, like water volleyball.
0: No, this is supposed to be water polo.
1: (laughs) I honestly, I don't think I know what water polo is. (laughs) Picture soccer in the water. But,
0: like, they're breaking every rule. You're not allowed to touch the ball with both hands. You're not allowed to put your feet on the bottom of the pool. You have to swim the whole time.
1: What? That sounds impossible. Uh, That's why it's a really, really hard sport. Okay. (laughs) No, because there's literally a close-up on these two girls' legs. and She's constantly, like, jumping on the thing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, why why are we just watching this girl, like, just jump a lot (laughs) from beneath the water? To the point where it almost feels like male titillation, like...
0: We know that this was written and directed by women, and yet there's so many underwater leg shots that I thought, who is the audience for this film?
1: Well, and we're going into the one scene of nudity, which, okay, so let's, yeah, let's, uh, Charlene and uh, Nikki get into a fight. Charlene gets into the shower and Mm -hmm. everything starts steaming and she gets burned alive. But yes, at first I was like, okay, so we're not getting nudity because we have her undressing. We don't get the nudity there. Mm Mm-hmm. We go to the shower, we get a butt shot. Okay. Mm-hmm. But then all of the shots of her breasts are, like, filmed a certain way to where we don't see the breasts. It's, like, side boob or just above the nipple. And we don't see it. And then when, like, the steam starts coming, that's mm-hmm. when we get full-on nipple shots. And I was yeah. like, that's weird. <laughs> like, <laughs> why did we save this? I mean, not that I wanted to see her boobs earlier, but I was like, well, if, you ha- if you're have, if you going to show them, why are you going out of your way to hide them in earlier shots?
0: It's almost like a tease, isn't it? You know, oh, you're only going to get tits
1: when you get the steam. Oh, maybe so. Maybe they told the actress, (laughs) the steam's going to hide it. Don't worry. (laughs) Oh, right. That's uncomfortable. I'm sure that wasn't the case, but.
0: No, but it's strangely tasteful, even though I do agree with you that I think you could have actually shot this without ever showing her tits.
1: Yeah, I mean it's a sh- it's reminiscent to me too of the gym teacher death in Nightmare on Elm Street too, mm. but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I-, I think this is the most impressive death scene from an effect standpoint too, because we at least do get the makeup of like her skin that's melting off.
0: Yeah, it does look good. I found it goes on a little too long. Too long.
1: Yeah. I know
0: what's happening, and I don't need the repeated cuts back to Megan in the pool, clearly not playing water polo anymore, and no one yeah, giving she's a focusing
1: Yeah, she's focusing on carrying the shower room. <laughs>
0: exactly. Like, hey, Megan. Oh, she just got beaten in the head. Oh, oh she didn't notice. Hmm. Weird. Yes. <laughs> uh, I will also say I fucking love the moment where they discover this horribly charred body of their mm-hmm. friend and schoolmate, and this gym teacher just goes, yes! everybody go get dressed.
1: I wrote this too. I was like, this is the equivalent of the, hmm, black arts. Like, she's just yeah. like, there's, there's a corpse in this room. Um, Gotta do something about it, I guess.
0: <laughs> you know what? People just die in this town all the time. I can't be bothered by it. I've got another class to get to. It was to the point where I was like, maybe she didn't die. Maybe she's just going to
1: be really injured.
0: Well, okay. I thought the Tobo had died, and then they wheel him out. So I was also maybe waiting to see, oh, okay, she's just been really badly burned. But no, she's dead.
1: Yeah, she, she is absolutely dead. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Which is why Nikki then gets upset with Megan, literally moments later, when Megan's like, Hey, so now you're the president. <laughs> yeah, aren't you happy?
1: Thank you. Thank you. Welcome.
0: <laughs> yeah, Nikki, Nikki doesn't care for that.
1: This is when we start the kind of like best friends turning against each other. And mm-hmm. this is when Megan really is like out of the movie for me, because okay, so we get this line. So she's in the bathroom together. And you know, Kim's hiding in the stall, but we have Megan confront Nikki, and then she basically uses her powers to, like, cause her abdominal pain. Mm -hmm. And she's like, look, see, I can control it. I can stop it. But, like, she's hurting her friend. It's so mean. And then she goes, or I can start it. Yeah. And that, that one line where it's like, okay, so now you're gonna fucking hurt your friend to keep her your friend. Mm Mm-hmm. That was when it went like, because we're going with Carrie. Carrie at least stays sympathetic. Yeah, she's a total mass murderer, but like she's kind of like gone through a fugue state, blah, blah, blah. But she's still a sympathetic character. Yeah. This to me is when Megan stops being sympathetic.
0: Uh, Agreed. And I do think a big part of this is that no one bullies Megan ever again. Like Mm -hmm. we just see her acting out against, yes, the people who have bullied her before, but also people that she has no relationship with. So she immediately goes from has these burgeoning powers. Oh, she's misusing them. You know, she lashes out at Charlene, which is totally understandable. But then from here on out, it's like, oh, OK, you're just cold blooded now.
1: Well, and again, the whole thing is supposed to be OK. Well, the mirror is, um, you know, controlling her now the demon of the mirror. But unfortunately mm-hmm. for me, what I'm getting is, oh, OK, this is another scenario of a victim using their victimness to excuse really shitty behavior
0: yeah and uh, i can't remember what episode was it where you you talked about that in depth i feel like it was one of the patreon episodes right oh i have no idea (laughs) i
1: have no clue what you're talking about Well, there goes that Patreon. Plug. I know, where can we plug that? <laughs> uh, y'all, you know what? Go subscribe to the Patreon and listen to everything and let us know where that is. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but you you are on the record as having
0: said you don't like it when people's victimhood gets used as an excuse for turning them into villains.
1: I mean, it could be argued that her even killing the bully girl is an example of that. Because, yeah, like, you know, I I mean, it would have been
0: nice to have seen a little bit more malice from Charlene. But at the same time, there's something satisfying about watching Megan get that particular piece of revenge.
1: No, no, no. I do. I do get that. But again, it's like, okay, well, yeah, she's a bully, but does she need to get murdered for it? You know, right? which I'd argue, well, we're watching a horror movie. So, yes, it does. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, you don't just want her to, like, lose a couple strips of hair like Christine Taylor? Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's not enough. (laughs) (laughs) My hair. Oh my god, right? Oh my god, maybe the craft did, see, they, they did see this movie, and that's why they did the pool stuff in that movie. Oh, honestly, folks
0: who like the craft, I want to know, have you seen this movie? Do you also like this movie? Because they feel
1: like companion pieces. I like this more than the craft. Oh, actually, is it the craft we were talking about? <laughs> no, no, that, that wasn't it. But I, although I do hate what happens <laughs> to those girls. True. Yeah. Anyway, so sorry. Yeah. Uh. So she, Nikki storms out.
0: Hmm. Okay, so this was a piece where the film actually did surprise me because I definitely thought that we were going to get Kim rising to be new head bitch because she's hearing (laughs) Megan confess and you think, oh, she's going to use this. She's going to turn everybody against Megan. It's going to be bad. Megan just fucking rips out her tongue and she is dead on the floor of this bathroom. We don't see it. We see the aftermath, but.
1: I was going to say, I wrote, I was like, okay, well, she's dead. I think she slit her throat, but I did love the way that she, she, basically Nikki runs out and Megan just goes, Kim, and like kicks mm-hmm. open the stall door. <laughs> Maybe she was there all along. We need to have a chat.
0: <laughs>
1: she's fucking scary at this point. Yeah. I mean, it, it's good. I mean, it's just like, yeah, I, whatever, but. Mm-hmm now we're really in the Nikki movie that that that's what the rest of this movie is oh yeah
0: yeah so Nikki grabs Ron's car she goes looking for answers she eventually winds up connecting with Emmeline and this is where we figure out okay we need to stop this mirror it's not really Megan anymore so so
1: okay I want just clarification really quick though so mm-hmm. Emmeline tells her that so in the beginning the opening twin sister scene right Elizabeth is the one who got killed and so she goes Elizabeth called forth the demon and the mirror controlled her so her sister Mary killed her to appease mm-hmm. the mirror so so the one who was doing the murdering wasn't the one under the mirror's power in the Correct. beginning of the movie She was like okay. the Nikki. Yeah. Oh yeah, right, cuz as we'll find out soon. <laughs> That's what happens.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so Emmeline says, okay, here's this dagger that (laughs) the Weatherworth sisters used that I apparently just have in my antique shop. And she says, I'll meet you, but I gotta do something first. So she goes to call the priest, and this is where astral projection starts to come into play. Megan apparently has the power to shatter a mirror in Emelyn's
1: room, and she dies when the shattered glass impales her. So what would make sense here is if it's like Snow White, like the mirror in in Megan's room shows her Mm -hmm. what the mirror in Emmeline's room is seeing. Like, again, it's a portal to other worlds. It's a portal to other mirrors. That would make sense. Like the mirror, the demon in the mirror can see whatever whatever any mirror is seeing. So he's like, hey, look, this bitch is trying to stop you. That would make sense. The way we have it, though, it's just like she just knows. Mm -hmm. She just knows everything that's happening at every point. Yeah.
0: Also, in this
1: hypothetical scenario, is Megan now being played by Julia Roberts? Yes. (laughs) Oh my god, we haven't made a mirror mirror joke yet. Everyone, in case you haven't (laughs) learned, we are not talking about Tarsim Singh's Mirror Mirror with Julia Roberts. (laughs) Oh my god, can you
0: imagine if people have gotten, what, fully an hour and like 10 minutes into this episode, and they're just
1: going, where is julia roberts in this (laughs) description or if they're watching the the mirror mirror with julia roberts and they're like where's the horror oh god i've actually because i just rewatched that um snow white a tale of terror with sir weaver recently Mm -hmm. and i I was getting a lot of callbacks to that as well
0: yes i did see a bunch of people making sort of snow white references with this which i think Mm -hmm. again is part of course when you have about mirrors yeah yeah (laughs) we're starved for mirror horror content folks we need more mirror horror
1: honestly I'm, I'm here for it i would also be here for it yeah give me any fun yeah, an object and like make it evil like just do it i don't care for sure yeah give me oculus 2 is what we're saying yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: all right so Emmeline is now dead goodbye her three days of filming goodbye yvonne de carlo mm-hmm. you were missed yep that's a that's a wrap on yvonne de carlo thanks for coming by <laughs> and so we cut to ron enthusiastically making a
1: mayo mayo sandwich this scene <laughs> It <laughs> goes what on for so long. They, they knew what they were doing because we didn't get the cut to the sandwich, which looks like absolute horseshit.
0: Oh, it looks like garp. Well, it looks like a teenage boy made it. So it's messy and all over the place. It-
1: yeah. It's just ingredients splayed out that he, Mm -hmm. like, he didn't compile the sandwich. He just put the ingredients out and said, that's a sandwich. (laughs) Do you think he was just going to put it on the counter and then, like, climb onto the counter and eat
0: his way across and then call it a sandwich? (laughs) I thought you were going to say climb on the counter and shit on it. (laughs) Uh, no, I was not headed in that direction. (laughs) Wait, are you thinking of other reflective surfaces and what people do with them? I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Wait, what are you trying to reference? What are you making a joke about? <gasps> uh, you know, uh, shitting on glass countertops and stuff. <clears throat> do people do that? It's a kink. Oh, okay. I mean, no, I'm not going to kink you. Shit. lie under the glass coffee table and then people shit so that you can see the poop hit the oh, glass. Oh, Okay.
1: Not gonna lie, did, I mean, I knew I know that scat play is a thing. Um, did not know the glass thing that's actually kind of interesting. I mean, not that I want to do it, but <laughs> <laughs> it's actually kind of interesting. Like, oh, okay, like, it's like a barrier, like you're safe from the poop, you just get to see it exactly. Yeah, okay, and uh, I don't know how to come back from that now. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, <laughs> um, okay,
0: so, so, so Ron, Ron is uh, making Nick, a sandwich, yes, <laughs> N- N- Nikki's in his bathroom drowning. Yeah, okay, so. I know that we don't love this back half of the movie as much. I fucking love this part, though. Uh, I'm hoping you're going to say the same. You're going to say no. Oh,
1: shit. No, I I, I don't dislike it. I'm just kind of like... What? um, Well, I like it fine. I like it fine. So I, I thought it was bad editing. I guess Nikki made her way there and like the mirror somehow uh, got her in the tub and drowned her. Like I, I wasn't aware we were in a doppelganger situation yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's because it's a power we've never seen before. So it doesn't
0: make sense initially until you see Nikki come through the front door and you realize, wait, why
1: do we have two Nikki's all of a sudden? Well, I did realize it before that because she starts aggressively kissing him in the water <laughs> yes. before Nikki walks in. And he's a teenage
0: boy, so he's a fucking idiot, and he just goes along with it. I'm watching this, and I'm thinking...
1: Ron, she is actively drowning you and you think you're going to get laid. Yeah. So if you have not seen this movie, listeners, he walks into the bathroom, Nikki's body is in there, he thinks that she's drowning, and he pulls mm-hmm. her out, he gives her mouth-to-mouth, she coughs once, and <laughs> no water comes out. <laughs> no. And she's like, I'm okay, really? And then she, like, kisses him as a thank you, but then she pushes him back in the tub and starts making out with him. Like, really aggressively though. Yeah, really aggressively, and then starts pushing his head underwater and mm-hmm. kissing him underwater, and while that's happening that's when we see nikki like the real nikki and then we're like oh Mm. this is an evil mirror mirror doppelganger going on yeah (laughs) yeah
0: and then she bites off his lip and Mm -hmm. then drowns him and then she kind of hides in the corner as real nikki comes in sees his drowned bloody body and then she turns around and sees herself cowering in the corner
1: and then laughing and then she disappears i did like that i thought that was actually really really creepy <laughs> like I, again if we're talking video store fodder here Like i can see a child renting this and like this is terrifying oh my god this is kinder trauma for sure yeah, yeah. i mean a child would be shocked by the mirror fucking scene too but uh, maybe yeah um, <laughs> but yeah Uh, I do also love that Nikki
0: immediately knows what's up because she walks out of the bathroom, turns, sees the phone, calls Megan and Megan just like, hey, you're my best friend, why don't you come over? Okay,
1: I do love this line from Megan where she's like so the phone call is basically over and and Megan goes, oh and Nikki that silly old woman from the antique store (laughs) she won't be joining us (laughs) I did like that We've already said, she's out of the movie that is a wrap
0: on her Okay, so it is important to note that that Susan has been in this movie a couple of times. We sort of uh, alighted over a couple of her appearances, but she has acknowledged that
1: she hasn't been a great mom to Megan. I love that the movie does this. Yes. I love that we get this moment, which, I mean, granted, it's only so we can feel bad for her when she does. Very true. It, it works, though. Like, the scene when she, because I, I don't know if she's still with Sheriff Dearborn or whatever, but, like, mm. she basically says, hey, let's have a deal with just us. Like, yeah. I really want to, I want to start mending this relationship. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, good for you, Karen Black. Yeah, for
0: sure. It's a really nice genuine moment. So it has come time now for Megan to join Susan at this fancy nice dinner for just the two of them. And Megan basically shits on that idea. So Susan goes downstairs and she tosses the nice meal into the garburetor. And Megan has a change of heart but it's too late because the mm-hmm. mirror locks her in her room and they're so connected that Megan immediately knows what's happening and she knows that this fucking mirror is going
1: to kill her mother using the garburetor. What I love though, so we get a fake out, which is a trope with a garburetor that happens in way too many movies. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well, I was relieved because I will say that a garburetor scene is a really cheap way to like get you on your on the edge of your seat because oh, it, works. Sure. Like, yeah. it works, like it works. But I've seen it so many times, and I'm like, okay, I don't need to see it again because I'm nervous the entire time watching it. But, like, and that's the point, but, like, it's old hat now. Mm -hmm. I love that this movie gives us a fake out. Yeah. And then, like, she pulls the thing out, and it's like, oh, all is good. Mm -hmm. But then she drops something else in there. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, you thought she was safe? No, we're going back for seconds. uh and it's it's i mean it's blood just spraying out of this carburetor like it is is a lot we get it in
0: slow-mo so it's extra goopy and i think it's also important to note that the mirror is doing something interesting at this point too so we have black liquid that's spraying out of it and it actually shatters and Going back to Kate Hagen's reading of this, she reads that as Megan trying to fight back against the mirror and feeling really bad about the fact that she didn't want to kill her mom. The mirror did. So the black liquid is like her trying to fight back.
1: So that uh, so I wrote blood here, but it is black, but I just assumed it was just bad fake blood. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I wrote those. Oh, this is the shining. Like this is the elevator in the shining. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's a lot of blood. Oh yeah, it's a great shot. Again, we kind of we're kind of angled, we're down angled up towards the mirror as we're seeing this, and it's really really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, honestly, everything
0: to do with the mirror is shot really well. The mirror is a figure of menace, and it doesn't do fucking anything. It's great.
1: Yeah. So then. Yeah, Nikki comes in, and Mm -hmm. we have our windy climax.
0: Yeah, so she tries to break the mirror. That does not work. And then she tries to take Megan out of the house, but they cannot open any of the doors. Yeah, we basically got a hurricane-level winds going through this house.
1: I did write, though, when Nikki's trying to climb up the stairs, because, you know, it's just, like, fans blowing on him. Mm -hmm. I was like, good for this actress. It really looks like it's hard for her to climb up this staircase. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You can just tell Sargenti's, like...
0: Point the fan directly at her. Blow her down.
1: Kristen DeTillo, please look like you're climbing really up a steep hill and just grab onto the banister. Just grab onto it. Mm -hmm.
0: She's holding on for dear life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so at this point they've been separated, which is why Nikki goes back upstairs. And when she comes into the room, (laughs) Trace, she discovers that
1: Megan has died by suicide. Yeah. Okay, so I didn't get that. I, I thought that maybe the mirror killed her. I don't know. But that makes more sense. Because she kills herself to appease the mirror, right? Well, to to stop the possession, because the mirror needs
0: someone who has made a wish to possess. So by mm-hmm. killing herself, she has basically done
1: what the sisters did at the beginning. She has ended the possession so the mirror no longer has power right um we do also have the mirror doing some um evil dead to like or evil dead joy us but it's just going Megan, mm-hmm. Megan. <laughs> oh yeah this mirror's <laughs> been talking to people the whole time we just haven't yeah. been referencing it <laughs> it's very vocal so yeah that is that's a thing that happens mm-hmm. but then nikki just looks at the mirror <laughs> and goes revert everything back to the way it was and i was like okay we're doing one of those like that's yeah did you think that we were just gonna walk it all back Yes, that is exactly what I thought. The movie has way more confusing things in mind for us, though. Oh my god, yes. So what happens is we transport Nikki
0: and Megan back into the Weatherworth sisters from the opening scene of the film. At this point, Megan is already dead, so it's like post-stabbing from the opening scene. But yeah, basically... Nikki starts to freak out, and this is when the demon in the mirror begins
1: to creep out. I don't know what this is. So yeah, it, its face comes out. It's a long... It goes hit. on for a while, yeah. <laughs> Where it's just roaring and roaring and roaring, and Nikki's looking at it, and it sticks its head out, mm-hmm. roars some more, yeah. it and it goes and then back in goes the back mirror. Back in. <laughs> what do you want? You want more? Like, okay, so... <sighs> What? I I know what happens to the demon. like It takes his head out, says hi, goes back in, whatever. Yeah. What is... like What happens? What is this? (laughs) I have so many questions. Wikipedia says she's stuck in an apparent time loop. And I'm like, but... (sighs) So I literally had to go back. I was like, okay, wait. So were these two actresses the same ones in the beginning? Are are we seeing that time loop? No, 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 Mm no. They are played by different actresses. Mm -hmm. So the mirror... (sighs) Grants her wish by making them the Weatherford sisters. Oh, sorry, Weatherworth sisters somehow. Yes, but then when it gets to the present day, who's gonna be Megan and Nikki?
0: Well, I think what you're meant to assume is that that won't ever happen because now that Nikki is in the past, she will make sure that the mirror doesn't possess anybody because that's why she covers it up, right? So the film ends with her saying, "Okay, I'm gonna control this power." Sure, my whole fucking life is now ruined. Everyone that I have loved is dead. I am trapped in the
1: past. Yeah, I'm trapped in the past. That really sucks.
0: (laughs) But apparently, yay, the evil is contained.
1: I mean, I watched this and I was like, what? Like, Mm -hmm. what? What?
0: Oh, it is baffling. It is audacious. It makes no fucking sense.
1: And I kind of applaud the movie for taking this big fucking swing. It is audacious. I will give you that. I mean, this is going to be more conventional. I would have preferred just like, okay, Nikki gets up to Megan, the demon comes out, they have to fight the demon. Right. But that's conventional, right? Like, that's not... It's And also, we don't have the budget for that. And that may honestly be what what it is. Like, I can almost guarantee you that was the original ending of this movie, and they were like, oh, we're out of money. (laughs) (laughs) Look, we gave you one dad who's got a melty face,
0: and then we've got just enough budget left over to give you burnt tits and whatever this thing that crawls out is yeah that's awful. and wind lots of fans and lots of fans
1: yeah the fans come cheap um yeah i mean yeah i i i don't like this ending because i don't even think that they know what it is it definitely feels like okay what's something that we can do
0: that we can afford that we have the time rather to shoot and right i don't
1: think it's satisfying but it is memorable no you are correct in that absolutely correct but yeah, I think I was kind of like still like, oh, do I want to give it a three or a three and a half? And this was like, no, nah, it's three. Again, it was <laughs> a three. You three. <laughs> I have issues with this movie. I do think the first half is a lot stronger than the second half. Yes, but I still like it. Mm-hmm. And I would, yeah, as we both said twice, it's a it's a hearty recommend. Like, if you haven't seen this movie, check it out. It's um, it's a strange one.
0: Yeah. We didn't really know what to expect going into this, and it could have been a raging dumpster fire. And I've come out of it with some kind of admiration. It makes me wish that a lot of the people who worked on this film had had better careers so that we could see what else they were doing. Because I think this film is actually well shot. I think it's well acted. I would have liked to see what they could do with a bigger budget
1: and more special effects. But overall, I'm happy to have watched this. I agree with what you're saying about the directing, the acting, the shooting. I do think the score is a little not good. Oh, you'll die. I saw someone reference that it's kind of like a Christopher Young Hellraiser. And I just thought, um, see, I was getting more, I was getting more (laughs) Charles Band like Puppet Master. That's what I was getting from this. (laughs) Right. Yes. One of these
0: actresses, I think it might be the woman who plays Charlene actually is from
1: one of the Puppet Master films. Uh, It is. She's in Puppet Master 2. Mm hmm. But yeah, I mean, I only bring that up because we just, you and me, for shits and giggles, just rewatched Ginger Dead Man, and mm-hmm. it was giving me those kind of vibes. <laughs> oh, you mean the score? The score, Okay, oh, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh no, this is a much better film. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, yes, 100%. Ginger Dead Man is a 60-minute movie that feels like five hours long.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, but but the score, it, it's that Charles Band, like, the, yeah. the, it just, it's, it's not good. <laughs> and so that's what this reminded me of. <laughs> Maybe they got someone on retainer. Yeah, Moonlight Pictures or whatever. Um, But yeah, listeners, let us know what you thought of this. I mean, I wager for most of you it's probably going to be a first-time watch, but I'm also curious to know about the people that grew up with this. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Joe and I did not, but if this was a cable mainstay for you or a video store regular rental for you, I'm really curious to hear those stories. So please, like, share them with us. Yes, especially if you happen to be
0: at a younger age and maybe watch this at, like, a slumber party or something like that. I would love
1: to know how this goes down. Mm, 100%. But yeah, so I think that'll uh, kind of close out Mirror Mirror for us. Uh, I I like, we don't often walk into these with no idea what to expect, Joe, so uh, this was kind of a fun one to visit together. For sure. Uh, But before we announce that we're covering next week, um, we'll go through some standard housekeeping. So if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can reach us on Twitter and Instagram, at HorrorQueers. Join our Facebook Horror Queers group to hang out with other listeners and occasionally interact with us. (laughs) (laughs) Just occasionally. We're not on there very often. I mean, I'll reply to things that I feel compelled to reply to, which um, sometimes it's a lot. <laughs> it depends on my mood. Right. Um, you can also find us on the letterbox to keep track of all the films we've covered. We've got lists for our main feed films, Patreon films, audio commentaries, microqueers. Uh, just basically, we want to make a checklist for all of our episodes. And finally, we've got a YouTube channel, so go check that out to watch some of our uh, videotaped videotaped microqueerist episodes. Oh my god, we're like direct-to-video. Yes, exactly. If you have a moment, please rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice. We, at least in the States, we have almost 400 reviews on Apple Podcasts. We need about 12 more. So if 12 of you want to go write us a review on Apple Podcasts, preferably five stars, we'd really appreciate it. Wouldn't that be sweet? It would be great. And if you want even more Horror Queers content, please support the show by becoming a patron at Patreon.com/slash/horrorqueers. Uh, so this month we've got a ghosts and zombies theme. We'll have episodes on new films Seance and Army of the Dead. With episode, I, I guess I'm going to call them um, classic episodes. No,
0: <laughs> complimentary. Oh yeah, complimentary oh, that's good. classics
1: and complimentary episodes for those films on Ouija: Origin of Evil and Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead remake. So yeah, I think it's going to be, I mean, I think it's gonna be, we're doing it right now. It's really fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Subscribe and listen. <laughs> Joe. Yes. What are we checking out next week?
0: Okay, so we went a little bit obscure this week. So we're going to go a little bit more popular, but we are going to stay in the 90s, Trace.
1: <gasps> My favorite.
0: I feel like I want to stick it with this high school motif, but I think I'm
1: worried about aliens. So let's talk about the faculty. Ooh. First R rated movie I ever saw in my life. Oh, uh, yes, I love this movie. I did just rewatch it recently, and I'm actually excited to watch it again. So <laughs> cool. Yeah, I have very fond memories of this film. I'm
0: interested to cover it because I feel like we're also the last podcast on Earth to cover it. Like I've seen every other podcast mm. I listen to do it. So we'll see if we have anything
1: left to talk about. <laughs> uh, you know, it was filmed in Austin. Oh, was it? Oh, that makes sense because Robert of... Rodriguez. Yeah, there we go. Um, but yeah, well, I'm excited to check out the faculty with you and our listeners. But until then, we can cross out Mirror Mirror, indeed, yes, and cross out Horror Queers. <laughs> You've made it to the end of another bloody disgusting podcast. Congratulations.